We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. DFS free game show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, July 3rd. And you know what we do on Mondays? It's Mondays with McCool. We bring on James McCool, the co author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports, how to think like a professional DFS player, 15 hour audio DFS masterclass, as well as theory of DFS. For advanced players, which includes his custom Excel tools, pick those up. Theoryofdfs.com. Good morning to the chat room in the YouTube chat. Give me those thumbs, thummy thumbs, and the thumber thumbs, and celebrate independence by giving you the thummy thumbs. I don't know what that has to do with each other, but whatever. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Tomorrow we got Grinders Live. Remember, next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, no shows. It's the All Star break. So I ain't going to be here. No one's going to be here. Don't show up. You won't see a thumbnail. Whatever. James, it's the All-Star break next week. We're about halfway point during the MLB season. Yeah. What have you learned so far? Halfway point in the MLB season. And what are are you using the All-Star break to to tweak things, to work on things? Uh, things I have learned this baseball season so far. Stack the Braves. Um I thought early in the season was stack the Rays. I thought it was stack the Rays. It was stack the Rays earlier in the season. So, okay, here's here's the way that things have gone. Initially, it was stack the Rays, right? And then it was stack the Rangers. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was a period. And then it was stack against Oakland. Okay. And then it was stack against Colorado. Mm -hmm. And now it's stack the Braves. So what's it going to be next? uh, Stack the Padres. Because eventually they're going to be good. Eventually, that's next. Yeah, eventually um, regression. Do your models say that the Padres are due for a regression? Yeah, yeah, a positive regression. Do you hate James? Here, uh, side note. Side note. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Full note. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the term regression 
tends to have a negative connotation as if like, oh, they're doing well and now they will regress. And that, but people don't understand regression. It doesn't mean positive, like, or negative. It just means right. like regressing to the mean in either direction is what regression is. Right. So I actually recently had kind of like a little conversation on this on Twitter. Uh, I, so in most of my content creation, I still use the terms positive and negative regression, even though like as a statistician, I understand that that's dumb and that like it's that, that doesn't actually make sense. Um, regression to the mean happens both ways. The mean sits in between the outlier existences, right? So regression, if somebody is doing exceptionally well, we expect them to regress to their mean. If somebody is doing exceptionally badly, we expect them to regress to their mean. It's the same thing. But when you're creating content, like, I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with giving the reader a little bit of understanding about where they are going to regress to. It's just, it's like contextual understanding because most people who do not have like a good background in statistics are not going to understand that when you say regression, it means it on both ways. So helping the reader a little bit, I don't think is that bad. I was told that uh, using reversion to the mean, positive reversion and negative reversion is a little bit more like contextually accurate. But uh, I, I think that's more confusing to the reader to have then both regression and reversion mentioned in an article. And it's like, if I was there's writing, there's, up, there are plenty of plenty of readers that don't even understand what regression is. No, for sure. Joey Otani is just going to hit a home run every day for the rest of his life. <laughs> he might, right? He might. He might. Uh, yeah, and so that's that's kind of the other thing. Like, it, it's you you walk this line of when when you're in content creation, you have to walk this line of being c- correct in the way that you're saying things and being uh, helpful. And I think that it kind of gets annoying sometimes. I think that it's more annoying when people point out that there's no such thing as positive negative regression. I think that's the more annoying thing than people say. They are right. No, they're right, but it's annoying. Like, you don't don't have to walk into a room and be like, oh, listen to me, be smart. It's like, I don't... I don't care about you, dude. (laughs) I don't care. Uh, It happens to be, uh, I do very, uh, something similar. I tend to use the terms median and mean interchangeably. Right. And they are different from each other. But for, from, like you said, from a layman's perspective, it's just like, I'm talking about like the middle numbers. Like I know the, depending on, especially depending on the sport, the mean and the median may not be exactly the same, but they're probably around yeah. the same. And to explain projections and to explain distributions, like, well, here's the, here's the, well, well, the bad projections, they're mean projections, but these projections are median projections. It's like, it ain't changing anything. Just understand that this is like, there's 50, there's about 50% of results in the, in the set higher and 50% under like that's that's the key point whether or not we use the term mean or median and then you're right james i some i do get emails or dms or just replies on twitter uh, as long as they're i'm not rate limited uh right. that uh that is like like i i i listen to your stuff and it and i'm i have a math background and it just it's it's hard to get into when you're you're interchanging mean and median mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like 
you understand what I'm doing. I'm like, like sometimes it's mean and sometimes it's median, but to, for me to be completely technically accurate, it doesn't matter for, for the no. purposes and, of, and, of daily fantasy. For, and for the, what well, I'm the well actually people out there on Twitter who want to well actually people about that kind of shit, it's like just you have there are so many more important things in the world going on than me caring about that person. I, I think the only the only time that it matter that it matters more. I think in daily fantasy it doesn't. Mm-hmm. If you just treated the uh, mean or median projections and it doesn't matter one or the other, I think that's fine. I think it's more for prop betting. When you may be you may be viewing mean projections, but the, the betting lines are based on medians. So it's just a matter of how many how many outcomes are above and below that number. And even though like the problem is is that a mean projection all the, the, the outlier votes are averaged out mm-hmm. and you don't, you're not getting an exact number of like how, because to win a prop bet, you just want like how many more outcomes are on one side versus the other, not like what the average outcome. It's very similar. Uh, Cardi's bat projections have uh, ho- the home run column. And I explained this on, I explained this on grinders live a lot of times also that the home run number, like here's the home run projection 0.32. So it said, that's a mean projection. So people take it as, oh, that means a 32% shot at hitting a home run. And I go, I mean, it's close. I mean, it's close. It's pro- it's probably, it's probably more like, like, thir- it's more like 29% to hit a home run, not 32. You're close. But the .32 takes into account the two home run games and the three home run games and the maybe the four home run games. Right. That... You already like the the home run prop you're betting on has, dude. Once they hit one home run, you're good. Yeah. Right. You know. You know. It's not a two home run, and you're not trying to score fantasy points or anything like that. So because the the projections are means, you have to like the median is going to be the median is most likely on those type of events. Stolen bases, home runs, are actually going to be lower. Yeah. But hey, if if there's enough value on a side. Where it's 0.32 and you're treating it at 32 percent, and the you know the 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 betting line is like plus 150 for a home run. Like you should be betting that anyway. It's yeah. just it's just slightly less, just slightly less value, but still positive. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's uh, it, it's there's a lot of semantics and there's a lot of technicality that goes into the work that we do, uh, especially on the modeling side, right? Um, and on the content work, creation what side, do I do? What's up? What technicality do I do? I just look at the work. Yeah, I say we as in me and Cardi. I don't mean you. Okay. You're, you're removed from there. You don't actually do it. Is it we? I thought you are including me. No, no, I'm not including All you. All I do um, well is interpret your work and then use it for right. my own good. Right? right. You actually yeah, do yeah. the work. You and Cardi actually do the work. Yeah, we actually have to do things. Uh, and, and I don't know how you of, do it. I don't know why you do it. Because I like helping people. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah, but I'm, I'm really good at it and I like helping people. Well, that's it, 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 I, and I like coming on every day and yelling at people. That Teaching. we live our dreams, George. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do actually. I, usually, you and I don't review slates, right? We don't usually talk about the slate coming up, but I do want to talk about the slate that we have today. What the, sl- the slate where you could you could do whatever you want? This is the worst pitcher pricing that I think we have had all year. 
It's I, I thought you hate Blake Snell, though. I thought you said Blake Snell was like $7 million overpriced. And now he's not. Now he's in Oh, okay. Now, now he's not. Yeah. Now Two he's really months ago, you're like, Blake Snell's the worst pitcher in the history of existence. You got to roll with the punches. You got to update your, your small sample size stuff. You're yeah. like, oh, well, it, 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 treats, it treats me well. And now he looks very good, right? So Blake Snell, I understand that his projection is 19 fantasy points on Rudder Grinders. But let's be realistic about what Blake Snell has been able to do recently. All right. His last five games straight, he has double-digit K per nine. He has two, he has double-digit strikeouts in four of the last five. He has 35 plus fantasy points in four of the last five. And now his price actually went down based on his last outcome. And he's only 8,600. Okay. He's got to face Joey Otani, who hits home runs every day. Oh, God. You're right. But it's lefty-lefty. So, that means it's fine, right? Right, yeah, it'll be fine. He, Everybody knows that Shohei Otani only hits a home run every three days against the lefty. So I think uh, we're in the clear here. Blake Snell at 8600 by my estimates, is somewhere between $1,500 and $2,000 underpriced for this slate. So he's a lock. Let's move on from he's that. He's a lock, right? He's a lock. You, you just say he's a lock. And then he's Blake Snell does that. Blake Snell things. He has four walks and gives up eight hits, and he's out in two innings. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, he has that a lock. Can't happen. a lock. It can happen. Absolutely. So let's let's move on to the next guy here. Brian Wu. All right? Brian Wu has had his worst outcome has been 19 fantasy points. Uh, that was his last outcome where he was 6,900. He has two outcomes over 20 fantasy points. He looks really good by every advanced me- metric, right? And he's facing, so, facing the Giants in San Francisco, which is a good ballpark. Right, good Francisco ballpark. And San Francisco, Francisco just gave up a career strikeouts to Chris Bassett, who is not as good as Brian Wu, okay? Brian Wu, his last outcome was 19 fantasy points. He had, he was 6,900. He is now 6,600 in a good matchup uh, on this slate. I think he also is arguably $1,500 to $2,000 underpriced. Okay, which means he's going to get killed tonight. Okay. Which means he's also going to get killed. (laughs) Atlanta, their cheapest hitter is $4,100. It's Eddie Rosario. Okay. They have four, five hitters over $5,000. You can afford a full five-man Atlanta stack today with Brian Wu and Blake Snell we're both average. Blake Snell is averaging over 30 fantasy points per game in his last six games. Brian Wu is averaging over 20 fantasy points per game and is in his career in the majors. The cash games tonight. I never play cash games. I want to play cash games tonight because you can do that and you can do it easily because, because they didn't raise the price at all of Pittsburgh against the worst pitcher on the slate. So, Looking at this slate, how much value, where do you think the value is? I want to hear your thoughts on where the value is on this slate. I know you haven't looked at it. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, I'm just looking at the bat projection. The bat actually has Michael Grove projected pretty well for 5,300. Sure. Yeah. And and I get that. Um, He's a, he's a worse pitcher overall than Brian Wu for me. And if, if you were, if you were looking at things from my perspective, where I think that these pitchers are multiple thousand dollars underpriced, we have Atlanta, who is ridiculously priced. We also have San Diego and the Dodgers. Walk me through your thought process on, on this slate from that perspective. Well, I mean, I just played Snell and Wu, and then 
play someone other than Atlanta. So you would fade the bats. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean that in general in baseball, that's what you should. That's what you would if you had a choice. If you're playing one lineup, mm. and obviously, you if, if you're going to play an Atlanta stack or something, then you're probably not going to play the chalk combination of pitchers. Like the, my attitude would be, yeah. I mean, the pit, pitchers are always going to be less variant than hitters by far. Mm-hmm. Even though you'll you'll run into you know blow up games, but there are also decent pitchers on this slate. I mean, you can play Tyler Wells. Joe Ryan at 10K. I mean, he's the Jim Domingo Herman, right? Coming on. Hey, hey, how does your model like Domingo Herman? He's got it's a perfect game. His projection to in your in your system should be like 84 points. Yeah, well, when you have a perfect game, your BABIP is zero. So that's <laughs> the next yeah. game isn't gonna look that good. Yeah, I think that's gonna regress. I think the BABIP of zero is is gonna reverge. Yeah. Have some reversion. It's, it's gonna have reversion. some negative reversion, right? It's gonna experience regression. Yeah. Uh no, my my models really like Brian Wu and Blake Snell. Um, they're fine with Joe Ryan. Uh, but then after that, you know, we, we have a lot of guys who true average doesn't really like a lot of these guys. A lot of guys sitting in this 250 to 265 range. You have Austin Cox over a 300 true average. Like there, there's a lot of things that look relatively bad. I, I tend to agree with how Rotor Grinders looks at this slate from most of the pitchers sitting in this 13. It looks to, like the bat, the bat likes... You can you paying up for Ryan and uh, playing a lot of Cleveland, Minnesota. That makes sense. I could buy that. I think Minnesota. Right, even really if we put in Wu here, let's say we put in Wu. Right, the optimal still is like Cleveland, well Pittsburgh also. I mean, like Pittsburgh projects well for their prices as well, right? Because they're super cheap, super right. Cheap. So, I, I just wanted to to highlight on these kind of things. Because a lot of people will look at this and they'll look at how good Atlanta has been recently and they'll force in Atlanta rather than taking the draft. Yeah, but you said the goal, the, the whole secret of DFS you, that you learn is that you just play Atlanta every day. Well, no, now it's, now it's the Padres. Oh, oh, it would change, oh, it's changing. I thought we're maybe moving. it would change at the All-Star break. No, no, we're moving on. It's the Padres. This oh, week. okay. Once the weekend, the 4th of July comes around, that means tides are turning. Yeah, tides are turning. Um, There's no scientific method to this. Just that's you know it. No, with the vibes, we're we're going on. Oh, uh, we're doing it on vibes. Okay, <laughs> it's a vibe check. <laughs> I just want to, to highlight. Expect, you have to expect Atlanta to be popular today. Right? Yeah, no, I I think I cannot see how Atlanta is not the most popular team stacked on the slate because you can afford them and people like we we have seen people punt on slates where they shouldn't to get Atlanta. Uh, I, a couple nights ago, I understand that people had great success doing it, but people were like game stacking pitchers in course so that they could get Atlanta. And it worked out because Atlanta put up 19 runs and hit like seven home runs. But like the general understanding right now is that people are just going to do whatever they can to get Atlanta. And on a slate where it's not hard, I could see Atlanta approaching like 45% owned on like Acuna and Albies and uh um, don't have them that high owned. Not well it's 10 18 a.m. We are, we, I mean a projection ownership projection are ridiculous. Ahead. I mean Albies is 5900 Acuna 66 Matt Olson 64 Murphy's 54 Riley's 38 even the cat's going nuts. Do you mind? <laughs> Do you mind <laughs> I'm going to throw something out. Hold on. Uh, the, you hey, have two cats. Relax. 
I didn't know you had two cats. I do have two cats. Uh, I have big the big gray one over there, who's being kind of a dick, is Kershaw. And then my little princess is Meredith, who um, she actually – Meredith is actually the better fighter than Kershaw. Um, she would be, she would be the higher salary fighter. She'd be, she'd be the nine K fighter. Yeah, she well, MMA, and the other one would be the seventy two hundred dollar one. Yeah, but I think Kershaw would be more. I think he'd be higher owned because he has better knockout potential. He weighs okay, okay, so better inside the distance. Inside, yeah, he, he weighs probably four or five pounds more than Meredith. He's way bigger than Meredith is. So he has, you know, we're we're looking, at, but but as you can see, I mean, Meredith is just she knows how to go for the for the weak spot. She's got submission. So, right. So she's got volume striking. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's really good fighter. Um, Meredith should have been named Mookie. Meredith is older than Kershaw. Otherwise, maybe we might've gotten there actually. Uh, Kershaw was, Kershaw is about two years younger than Meredith. So you, you named, you named Kershaw because of what? Because the best analytical picture of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. I mean, from an analytics standpoint, I mean, I don't think Pedro Martinez I think it's between him and Pedro Martinez, yeah. I th- and then, I think and, and Mariano Rivera, if he pitched every inning the way that he sure, pitched. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you wanted to consider that. But it's, you know, you you have to relegate that difference between closers and starters because closers just it, – it's like you could, you could say that Devin Williams, if he was going to be like a full-time starter with how he pitches now, would be untouchable. Right. But like one of the reasons he's untouchable is because he just gets to go all out for one, two one innings or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, so this, this late, I mean, Ozzy Albies, Ronald Cunha, Matt Olson, uh, that, that they're Austin Riley, all grossly expensive, right? Like this is the most expensive that I think I have ever seen a team overall. Like, let I don't me think try to play, I can play all, all of them. Let's see. And then what would be the rest of my lineup? No, I, I, you wouldn't be able to fit that. You wouldn't be able to fit that in, even with Snell and. Well, not, not with an optimal. You can do it with a Pittsburgh stack. Um, you, you skip over Riley for Orlando Arsha. See, I, I pronounced his name correctly this time. Arsha. Um, and, and then you get with, or maybe you have to skip over Olsen. Yeah, there's right, Grove. Murphy, Olsen, Snell, Grove. You get that. You get, I mean, you're still punting places. Yeah, well, I mean, you're still taking a, basically a, a Pittsburgh stack can do it. Like a 5-3 Atlanta-Pittsburgh makes it work. Yeah, that's what it looks like where Michael Taylor, you play at the... Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's possible. No, I mean, that's that's feasible. Like, Michael Grove sucks, dude. When I, when I first built this morning, and I never build this early, but somebody mentioned that Blake Snell was only 8,600, so I went to go see what you could do with it. Like, the... It, the first thing that I built was Atlanta Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh is in a really good spot too, even if they suck. Um, so it's just, it's really interesting. Like I, I think that people will, will be inclined to force in Atlanta and that's going to leave San Diego and the Dodgers as way under owned in, in good matchups as well. Right. Um, like San Diego arguably has the best matchup on the slate. And I just think, I think that it's interesting to talk through this kind of stuff because we usually just talk, about how to solve baseball and the legend of Newt Bar, but it's worthwhile. What happened to that it. guy? Where's that guy? Been? He's still, dude. He's still in the Cardinals. He's good. He actually gets playing time now. Do you ever roster the Cardinals in MLB DFS? Yeah, for a while I rostered them like a week straight. Yeah, Didn't that's go well. I, yeah, no, it doesn't. They've been pretty bad. 
They shouldn't be bad, though. That's the thing. Like it's there are plenty of teams that shouldn't be bad, but they are. No, yeah, I know, I know. And and St. Louis, but the the thing with St. Louis is that their their baseline stats, like their advanced stats, are still really good. They're still hitting the ball really well. Um, and like Arenado is still good. Goldschmidt is still good. They like they still have a lot of good hitters on their on their team, and they just end up doing nothing. It's kind of like them and the Mets have no right to be as bad as they have been. No right. It makes no sense. You figure with the Mets lineup, the Mets have what Lindor and Marte and Alonzo and Nimmo's okay, right? And yeah, and Tommy Pham. They have Francisco Alvarez. Like that, they have they have a team. Like they have a good team, and they're just like, nope, we're gonna go seven and fourteen in the month of June and not score any runs for no reason. says Hardy said Arenado's not good. Hardy never said Arenado's not good. He just said Arenado's not as good as what you think he is because most of his. Most, I would say, a majority of his career stats were in cores. That's the main. That, that's all he's saying. I'd say he's bad. Yeah, and, and like the the Arenado thing, he's he has become a, a hitter that is almost entirely feast or famine. Like he's into that kind of his power arc, where he was never really like an on base guy anyway. He was always like, well, he was he wasn't cores only because the, the outfield right. was so large, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the main thing is that Arenado is more. Arenado is more like a Joey Gallo type, Giancarlo yes. Stanton type than people yeah. thought before. So basically his projections in the bat are always pretty, pretty low comparison to the rest of the industry because you kind of, people are overvaluing some of the, like the doubles and triples and singles and stuff from, you know, a, a majority portion of his career that he was getting them in Coors Field. He, he's not a, he's not a, He's not a 350 OPS hitter. He's not, he's not that. No, and he never will be again in his career. Like he, he for sure is somebody who at this point, like he's going to hit some opposing field home runs or, or he's going to pull some home runs. And like, that's mostly what he's good for at this point. Um, but yeah, what, so you asked me at the beginning of this, what I learned through the first half of baseball. What you learned. And then also what, what you're going to be doing over the all-star break, because I'm assuming that what you should be doing, James, oh. is taking a vacation, <laughs> right? That's what you that's what you should be doing. But I know you, and you're uh, not going to do that. Yeah. You're going to spend the time because you don't. We have four days, five days where you really don't have to do much. You're going to be working on something. Yeah. Um, well, I want to finish my tournament sims so I can finally get those up for up and running for the second half of the season, right? Like. I got to a really good point with it, but then I had to go to a baby shower and then Damascus got sick and then Damascus oh, the got Margaret baby sick. shower excuse. I've heard it a million times. Yeah. Well, I, I basically lost a week and a half of being able to work on that and put everything aside. Um, and now Margaret is actually packing up. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey. Anyway. Um, Margaret I, I, I Meredith in DFS. Let him, let him fight. <laughs> Margaret is actually packing up to Damascus to go out because we left something important out in Chicago. So she's packing up Damascus to take him back out Chicago to go get that thing and then come back. So I have a couple of days now where I should be able to do a little bit more work on that. It's, like, a, him. it's like an eight hour drive. It's not that bad. Yeah. Eight hours is not bad though. Okay. She really likes driving. She really likes doing that kind of stuff. So, um, and then this week and next week, I should be able to finish up those contest sims and get those out and for testing so that people can run their own stuff and like have some fun with it. Um, I think it would be interesting to, because Dante mentions in chat about, you know, we learned that all the chalk is hitting at an unbelievable rate this year. I think it's a little bit more than usual, but I mean, I don't know if that's just, you know, like I'm just paying attention to it more. To see the the correlation coefficient of ownership mm-hmm. to fantasy points throughout the course of the season and compared to last season. Um, yeah, it would be that would be interesting to see, or just I, in general, or just to just just to see like how much. I'm not saying that it's any it's going to be anything useful moving forward. It doesn't really tell you anything. Yeah, but. Well, I've always said about like golf, PGA DFS, or any DFS. It's like when the predictive power of ownership gets higher and higher, that correlation coefficient gets higher and higher to fantasy points, more so than, especially more so other metrics, the less and less edge there is in the sporting contests, yeah. right? So like, yeah. Is, is it that the projections projections are really are much better has been much better this season hence the teams that are higher owned or higher projected and they tend to do they're most likely going to do better and that the field is catching up to those things or it just mm-hmm. happens to be oh no that's that's it's not any different than any other season it's just that we've seen we've seen a lot of slates where like heavy chalk does well but we also seen plenty of slates where like some one person, like tons of chalk fail. We yeah. just don't remember those enough. Yeah, I would actually say, like, I, I think that it would be cool to see that, that correlation coefficient, but I would actually say the chalk has been hitting less this year. I talked about it um, maybe a month and a half ago that people have become much too, um, much too confident in projections and that ownership has just... It's ballooned a lot. We have seen more ownership condense this year. I will say that. I think that um, the chalk has. Yeah, but been I don't know what you're saying. That I mean, dude, I've been playing. Like you tell you, all you have to do is tell me there's a 31 percent on one off, and there's two home runs. You tell me there's a there's a I'm in the 121, and there's like a 56 percent on five man stack, and I'm like, okay, this is easy. Nothing fade, whatever. And they put up 12 runs. It's yeah. like I'm not. I'm, 
it seems like it to me. Dante Dante's agrees with me, and I don't I don't know yeah. Dante from a hole in the wall, but I think it's recently. I think it's recently. Like when, uh, when I think the- early in that, no, no, James, I think earlier in the season, the pitching chalk was failing all the time, mm-hmm. right? Like pitching projections seem to be all over the place now, and the, now it seems like the pitching projections are are much more normalized. So obviously mm-hmm. we have more data. Uh, but dude, like playing the playing the playing the playing the stacks that are nowhere close to like being popular, like seems to be like a lost cause. No, it's like no. like I understand like not playing the chalkiest stack, but it's like if you're not gonna, if, it feels like to me, it feels feel like the main thing is feels. It feels like to me, it's like if I looked at today's slate and I looked at the team totals, I'd be like, like why am I playing the Mariners? Like like they just don't even bother. Like, it doesn't matter that they're 1% owned or anything like that. The Royals against Joe Ryan. Don't even bother. Just that just, you're playing, you're playing the Minnesota, Cleveland, you're playing the Dodgers, you're playing the Padres, you're playing the, the Braves, and like, and that's it. And you're done. And like, yeah, but I mean, like, we saw, we saw four days ago that Atlanta was all under 10%. And they, they literally hit four home runs off Joe Ryan, like in the first two innings. Mm-hmm. And then like hit five home runs for the. Like it, the, okay. So there's two things here, right? There's the difference between what chalk means to different people, and there is understanding and risk aversion when it comes to those things hurting you more than you are gaining when your stacks hit, right? Like we talk about both those things in the book, um, in theory DFS, which you should go by. Um, it, it, the definition of chalk. Because people ask that question a lot. Like, how do you define what chalk is? Like, how do you define who you're going to fade? Like, what, you know, the the chalk is the most popular options on the slate. And most popular meaning if one stack, it has an aggregate ownership of 180%. And another stack has an aggregate ownership of 110%. The, the, the stack that is at 110% aggregate ownership is not the chalk. They are, they have some ownership. But they're not the chalk. They're not the one that is going to have the largest effect on how you do on the slate. The one that is at 180% is. So that's how I define chalk. When it comes to pitcher chalk, like usually we have three to four pitchers that are owned on DraftKings, right? Like two pitchers that are the most popular combination, two other pitchers that are the popular pivots off of that combination where you can mix and match those four, and then the rest, which are like under 15% owned, right? Anybody outside of that top four is not chalk, right? right? So those four pitchers in combination with that top overall team to stack at 100% and 180% aggregate ownership, that is the chalk combinations for the slate. Those are the ones that are going to have the largest effect over how you do in a GPP based on how much exposure you have to each one and how you mix and match with other pieces that are leverage off of that chalk, right? So People look at a slate where you have that 180% aggregate chalk, and then you have the 110%, and then you have like an 80% aggregate, right? And if that 110% hits, people are like, oh, the chalk hit. Oh, what, why are we even fading the chalk? It's like, bro, no, like that 110% was a great pivot off of 180%. Like that, that 180% has three hitters that are 30% owned. 
and you faded all of them to get on your stack at 110%, which has maybe two that are 20% owned and then the rest under, like you gained a significant amount of leverage over the field by just dropping down one category of ownership threshold. And if you're able to go down from that 180% down to 80% aggregate, and now you have two guys that are 15% owned and the rest under compared to the other stack that is two times as highly owned, like people will say, oh, those two 15% owned hitters hit like the chalk is always hitting. Like that's not the chalk. That that's that is not the piece. When, when I say the chalk, it means oh, there's a twenty three hundred dollar one off that's like thirty percent owned. Like right. and if somebody combinate like those those types of situations when it's like okay, one of the top five team total teams did well and they're double digit owned. Okay, okay, one's twelve, one's fifteen. It's like okay, that's this is normal. These are normal slates, right? Right. If a pitcher, if a pitch, if Spencer Strider's 86% owned and puts up 42 points, yeah, the chalk hit 86%. Right. I mean, like, like that, that overwhelmingly. I mean, me personally, I'm not a big fan of even the term chalk. You know, me, I'm over owned, under owned. So, like, there's plenty of times, even in baseball, where a pitcher's 38% owned and I think he's under owned based on the projection. Now, a lot, most times, though, Hitters that are like 30 plus percent owned are almost always over. Right. So those typically those are the most frustrating parts of like, oh, OK, you know, great. The, the, it's a it's a it's an eight, nine game slate. And there's a stack. There's a team that is going to be like 40 percent owned. And then they put up 12 runs and it's like, OK, the, the chalk hit. It could be a slate where the both the two chalky pitchers, the most owned pitchers, both bombed. Right, which means you could have played the forty percent on stack with just two other pitchers. You're you're allowed to make those lineups, but by default, because pitchers are less variant than hitters, I think people tilt more. Right, when the hitting shock, the hitting the high owned hitters do well than the high owned pitchers, because we expect the high owned pitchers to do well. Mm-hmm. The high owned hitters, it's like, well, they only got four or five at bats, and this is baseball. Who knows what could happen? And next thing you know, Shelby Otani's hitting 17 home runs in a game at yeah. 800% ownership. Right. And and I mean, like those, those instances are, are going to happen. I, I think that we have seen, we, we are always going to see popular options end up doing well. They're popular for a reason, right? Like the, the instances that we have where, I don't know, Jack Sawinski yesterday, if he wasn't on the Pirates, if Jack Swinski was not on the Pirates, if he was on the Dodgers or or even the Phillies, let's call it the Phillies, right? Because that this is an example that was just brought up the Phillies yesterday. Jack Swinski was like 3% owned leadoff, 2,300 as a lefty up against a righty who has incredible splits, right? Like he's really, really good against righties. Uh, he was 3% owned. But if he was on the Phillies, he's probably 35, 40% owned or something like that. Right. Um, and those are the kind of situations where – you can easily take advantage of the field and you can play the Phillies yesterday, Dante with, with Jack Sawinski and, and the pirates who are nothing owned yesterday, right? Like it's even if popular options are doing well, even if chalk is doing well, I think we have had enough instances of the chalk being so condensed that there are incredible leverage plays in, in every slate, every single slate we're having terrific spots to just get off of the chalk even yesterday right rich hill crushed 
But a great pivot yesterday before he got hurt was um, the pitcher for Boston. I don't remember what his name was because I'm still tilting the outcome. But, like, he was 6,900. He was a great pivot off of him. And those instances where Rich Hill on FanDuel, we're talking about Rich Hill, was 25% owned on FanDuel in single-entry contests, uh, which is disgusting. Like, we've seen Rich Hill get obliterated over and over again in the last three years. And so 25% he's also on had good outings. He's also had good outings. And he's also had good outings, right? He's right. a great, he's a great GPP pitcher. And you want to play him when he's low owned, not when he's 25% owned. You on can. I mean, we're talking about you can. It's just a you can. typically high variant situations. You but to you, highlight, you benefit to more by, by fact, doing the to opposite. Highlight the fact that he was high owned and that there was a great pivot. There have been great pivots in every single price range for the entire baseball season. I don't think the chalk has been hitting more than than. Well, that's why. Why do you think that it goes back to the question? I said during the All Star break, you have some time to, to take a look at it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take my time You're to take a look. Work you said before you and Cardi that you you guys do the work and I, I'm the one that looks. Yeah, I, I have other more important work to do oh, than to look at how often the chalk is hitting this year. Right, Dante needs to know the difference between good chalk and bad chalk, even though those things don't exist. There's no such thing as good chalk and bad chalk. That literally doesn't. That doesn't the, exist. To, to go there's back under-owned to, and over-owned, but there's no such thing as good chalk and bad chalk. There, there are spots that offer you more leverage, and spots where you need to leverage your lineup based on eating something. Um, if like Spencer, if Spencer Strider is 86% owned, and you and his projection is so high that he should be 94% owned, then. I guess that means good chalk. I mean, okay. No, 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 no. Okay. 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 Like that, okay I guess right. that if you're going to define good chalk and bad chalk, then good chalk is a very high owned player that is n- still not high, high enough owned. And yep. bad chalk would be a player that's very high owned, but shouldn't be nowhere near as high. Owned. Yep. Like that, then, then we're talking the same language, but there's but no jo- like, but Jordan well, gonna do well today. And he's not going to do well. It's like, no, it's still on the basis of is his projection worth that ownership? And sometimes, especially we see in basketball, yep. right? Guys projected for a million at three K. It's like, well, he's going to be ninety two percent owned. It's like, yeah, well, he should be ninety eight percent owned. So, like, but like, remember, that's at good the, chalk, I guess. At the beginning of this podcast, we talked about how content creation requires you to be a little bit more layman's. That's why. Yeah, but that, but that's confused people because people view good chalk and bad chalk as, oh no, I know he's popular, but he will do well today, and I think that that's obviously oh, the wrong. Okay, okay. that's that's different. Here. That's that's a different idea. When I consider good chalk, I think appropriately owned. Right. So, oh, right. right. Over owned and under. You think in terms of good chalk means they're popular, but they're but they project so well that they're under owned. They're still under owned. Yeah. Bad chalk means they're over owned. Right. Right. But a lot of people do it as like, oh, a lot of. Bad chalk is like, oh, a lot of people are playing this guy and he's going to do badly. Like, right, yeah. I, I like predict outcomes like that in DFS. Yesterday, the Phillies, like I, I had them as my top overall. So to, to speak to that example, Phillies were 20% owned in 121. Like they were the best stack on the day. Um, it doesn't mean that they were like good chalk, but they were appropriately owned. I, I, th- I think that they probably should have been higher owned. Um, so like understanding that and understanding how much ownership you should be able to assign to a stack and whether they are over that ownership, that's where you start getting into the idea of good chalk and bad chalk. Like you, you, I think that when people are talking about good chalk and bad chalk, they're talking about it after the fact, right? 
where like people are like, oh, well, you know, the, the Phillies were good chalk yesterday because they did well. And it's like, that's, that is completely besides the point of how you derive whether they are good or bad chalk. Are the um, Atlanta Braves going to be good chalk today? I don't think they're going to be that owned. <laughs> Bro, they're going to be like 40% owned. Well, I'm, 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 I'm going to fade them tonight. Especially if Michael Grove is projecting well on the bat at 5,300. Especially if Michael Grove is projecting well. I'm, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'm not going to play the Braves. Dude, it's, it's, the month, the case. it's the month of the Padres, bro. We're playing the Padres. We're playing the Padres today? I'm playing the Padres because today. You said so? Because you said so. What, what did the Padres look like? The Padre, I mean, we got some, we got, I mean, some cheap people in here. I mean, yeah, we no, play, oh, we got, oh, this is, look, look at, look at this lineup now. Imagine going, imagine rostering the bottom of this lineup and just like hating your life. You don't have to roster the whole thing. You, okay, here's how you do it. You know, you go Trent Grisham, you do a wraparound, Trent Grisham, Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, there's your outfield. And then you go with Manny Machado and uh, Gary Sanchez. There How does this team score any runs when once you're halfway through the order, you get 17 strikeouts in a row? I mean, like, look at this. What do you just, <laughs> I know uh, it's Jaime uh, Maria, uh, but I mean, it's just like the, this lineup. I Now now I see what the Padres don't do very well. Tatis is fine, right? Soto walks seven, 700 times. Machado probably grounds into double plays. Bogart <laughs> gets fly balls. And then you got strikeout, 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 strikeout. You got the rest. Cronenworth strikes out, and then Sanchez strikes out, and then Carpenter's. Carpenter is a weak dribbler to first base. We're going to do strikes out twice and one at bat. And Trent Grissom hits a pop up. And like, like what? Well, there, welcome to the Padres. Anytime anyone gets on base, like Tatis and Soto and Machado and Bogarts all get on base, and then it's strikeout, 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 strikeout. I mean, like, you wonder why the Padres don't do well. But oh, hey, on. if they do actually hit the ball, this isn't a bad line. Okay. Yes, it's that's that's funny. Um, Matt Carpenter currently has the highest strikeout rate on the Padres, 26%. All right. Um, Trent Grisham is not. Rudin Odor doesn't have a high strikeout rate? Gary Sanchez? Not right now. No, not high, not higher than, uh, Gary Sanchez is up there. He's at 26% as well. Um, but he's, uh, he at least has power, right? Like Matt Carpenter. How about Cronenworth? Cronenworth's over 20. Cronenworth is, yeah, he's over 20, but it's not. There you go. Dude, I, okay, look. So typically, first off, I, I'm going to defend the Padres. I, I think I'm playing Maria tonight. I'm looking at this going. I think, <laughs> I think maybe he gets 16 strikeouts. Let's go. He's not going to get 16 strikeouts. <laughs> going to give up. Barry is going to give up four runs today, and then they're going to get to the bullpen, and the Angels' bullpen sucks. And the and the, the Padres are going to score nine runs today with four home runs. Um, usually they have Haseon Kim instead of Matt Carpenter. Uh, or instead of Rognetador, I don't remember. Right, and Kim, Kim has uh, Kim barely strikes out. Kim has been great. Yeah, he's been awesome. Um, I I think that Trent Grisham is pretty good. Uh, yeah, Matt Carpenter and Rognetador suck for sure. But uh, we don't have to. If, if we were to say that a team has to have only hitters that are really good, we would only have the Braves. That's it. Who's the worst? Who's the worst hitter on the Braves? Let's let's go take a look at the Braves here. Michael it's, Harris, I guess. It's Rosario, right? No, no, no. It's our, it, it no. It would be Arcia. What do you? Okay. Um, I mean, I think I, I mean I think Arcia makes more contact, but Rosario is a better power hitter. Just that yeah, he strikes out too much. Ar- Arcia has the the worst 
X slug over the last month at just 380. Right. Well, yeah. that's what I'm saying. From a yes, fantasy perspective, RC is the worst because he, 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 does, he doesn't really hit the ball far. No, just 380. That's that's the point that I'm trying to make here. Their worst hitter has an X slug of 380. That is 380 over what period? The bonkers season? over the last month and a half. A month and a half. You and you and your little like it. Well, in the past six weeks, it's with whatever. Yeah. Like, well, no, but think about what they've done over the last month. It's ridiculous. Okay, it's you ridiculous. pay these prices. You go and, like look at the look at the inflation here. Like, this, come on, you go you go pay for this stack. I'm I'm not playing. This isn't going to be as popular as you think. Uh, how about let's make a bet? Okay. All right. Okay. What are your terms? so a five man so a, a five man Atlanta stack. So like yeah. what what do you think? That the high okay let let's come up with a number okay okay what the highest owned five man brave stack in in what are we talking about the one twenty one are we talking about the fifteen we're talking about the large field GPP well let's say the one twenty one I was gonna let let's do the large field okay okay right okay because and things go all over the place in the one twenty one so in the large field so we're going by the ownership that we currently have here right uh-huh. the bad ownership or whatever. Like, based on this, based on the ownership that that the bat shows right here, the top five-man stack, regardless of the price, 19 plus 18 plus 15 plus 13 plus 10, right? So we're talking about about 40, 55, 65, 70, about about five batters, about 80% total ownership. Sure. Right? You go definitely above that. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Do you think it's over? Uh, I would I would say it's under uh, the top owned Brave stack. Uh-huh. Right? Is going to be under five five batters. I would say under 110. Under I'll take over. You'll take I'll over. I'll take over. Yeah. Okay. So but talking about that, the main the main relay throw, the main GPP. Yeah, but 100 bucks on it. Over 110% aggregate ownership. 100 bucks? 100 bucks. Okay, let's do it. Cool. All right. Done. Yeah, take can. Take All right, cool. Yep, over 110% aggregate ownership. I think that Acuna by himself is going to be like 35 to 40% owned. Uh, and then like just got to fill in the blanks on the rest of them. I think him and Sean yeah, Murphy. Acuna is a one-off, sure, yeah. But I mean, I'd, I just don't as, see how you. As a five-man stack, I think that the five-man stack that is most likely is going to be Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Sean Murphy, Orlando Arcia, and either Marcelo Zuna or Eddie Rosario. One of those two. And I think that's going to be over 110 percent aggregate ownership. Well, we'll see. Yeah. You, you know, you know what thing you know, you know what we talked about earlier? You know, you, you know what your work is? It's like, you know, you and Cardi. Yep. Making your models, making your, you know, your X slugs and your and your regression stuffs and your and everything like that. You know what my biggest skill is? The art of understanding human beings and how they operate and how that affects ownership. (laughs) Eric, my guy, nobody cares that you like the Angels. Like, they're up against Snell. (laughs) I don't care. I'm sorry. I don't care. Um, The the Angels, uh, you can play the Angels in a large field for sure. I well, that's leverage. I mean, they're going to be barely owned against the highest on pitcher. Yeah. In fact, pair them with with the with the Braves. 
if you can. And you're going to have to use two relief pitchers, but go for it. Or you just, or or what you do is you, you stack you stack the the Angels with the uh, with their Giants against Wu. There you go. Yeah, literally stack against the two most underpriced uh, pitchers on the slate by far. Yeah. It could work. Um, hey, you can make a lineup like this. No reason you can't. No, for sure, absolutely. I, like I was, I was just gonna say, you would have plenty of leverage for large field GPP. Plenty of leverage. I mean, probably too much leverage. I was gonna say, probably too much leverage. Well, you don't need not to go that. Not way. not only would you be stacking against, you'd get direct leverage against the highest owned pitcher on the slate, but also you would not be able to afford the other highest owned hitters on the slate because, and also you wouldn't be able to play the other highest owned pitcher on the slate as well. So yeah, you, I mean, too much leverage. But go for it. Go yeah, for it. Have fun. You have money. Yeah. Uh, people could find you, James. Paydirt underscore DFS on Twitter, if you could use Twitter. Yeah, if, you, if your rate limit has not been exceeded, you can find me over on Twitter at Paydirt underscore DFS. If your rate limit has been exceeded, then you can find all the models over at paydirtdfs.com. Um, you can also join the Discord. It's free. We hang out. and There's no rate it. limit in the Discord? I'm not yet, but, you know, I, you know, Elon Elon is a trendsetter. So, you know, maybe we'll see some more rate limit stuff happening in other social medias. Right. Have you ever seen have you ever seen a, a model where we, this is a social media site mm-hmm. and we're going to limit the amount of things that you could read? <laughs> uh, I understand. It's an advertising based social imagine imagine a newspaper, right? Or or any like that. It's like like yeah, sure we'll deliver the newspaper, but you, after about 3 pages you can't read it anymore. And the the advertisers on page 12 are like what what are you doing? <laughs> Like what? What are you doing? What do you mean they can only read? But I'm advertising on the whole newspaper, but they can only read three articles. <laughs> I think I understand why he is trying to do. Like I, I tweeted oh, you know, it because he didn't pay his cloud bill. Right. Yeah. 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 That's that's I understand that's, why that is happening. Business or anything. He just uh, he got the bill in the mail, or right, he got a, a late uh, notice with the red bar in the mail in the envelope that says you're delinquent or whatever and he threw it on the the billionaires don't get mail through the usps jordan whatever but i mean that essentially that's what happened yeah no but i i I understand one he didn't pay his bill right like we we can agree on that like that's that's the funny part of this but i can understand why he would be limiting access to certain things at some point i tweeted it before that like yeah i I couldn't see it i think the end game (laughs) I think the end game for what Musk is trying to do is to incrementally limit what free accounts can do until the only thing, the only reason to have Twitter is to pay for it. Right. That's when it dies. Cause not enough people did that. That's not a good business model. I, all, I I know is, I, all I know is from all this, all these debacles with them is yeah. that there's no possible way that I ever own a Tesla. No, no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, buy... look, look at all the software problems that that the, the, yeah. he can't. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good luck. I'm gonna I'm gonna drive in a car that has almost no controls, right? Yeah. And has to rely on software. Like, get out of there. I'm getting a I'm getting an electric after the live final, and I Margaret was like, "Well, are you gonna get a Tesla?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> I'm not gonna touch a Tesla. <laughs> not after all this stuff." Um, are right, so you gonna get, get a new car after? Is that? No matter what happens at the live final, yeah. No matter what like happens, it's just like I still, I still have like all the winnings from from taking down the tournament. Like I still have that min cash, um, and I'm just waiting until we see how much more I make at the live final, so that I know kind of like what the price range is. Um, because there's like there, there's the list of electric cars you can buy. Of like, here's the low end, here's the medium end, here's the high end, right? And uh, 
I just, just buy the low end. What's up? Just buy the low end. No, I'm not like you. I like cards. No, that's what I'm saying. Why? What's the difference? I like cards. It gets you from point A to point B. You're done. The, the low end of the Hyundai Iconic is just not. Just not. Oh, it, do, oh, it doesn't. It doesn't move. Uh, it's that bad. It doesn't. It's just not cool. It's not cool. Who are you impressing in Clarksville, Tennessee? Me. It's dude. You I don't leave there's... your house. What are you doing? <laughs> I, would, I would leave my house more if I had a car that I like. To who? To impress who? Me. I somewhere. It's not about impressing people. It's, it's about working. It's about having things that you like. I like having money. I know you do. <laughs> I'm not spending it on stuff that doesn't mean anything. I know. But yeah, anyway, that's I'm just waiting on that, and I'm definitely not getting a Tesla because that's silly. Okay, so tomorrow is Grinders Live. I, I I don't know when it's gonna be. It depends on when the slates come out. I should be on the, the whatever the early slate is, me and Dean should be on that show. So you're not gonna see a, a pregame show thumbnail, I don't believe. Uh then we got Wednesday, we got Thursday. Send in your questions. Theory uh questions at theoryofdfs.com. Questions at theoryofdfs.com to be covered on the show then friday we got we got a, a pay-per-view ufc pay-per-view coming up so take a look at that on friday and then next week monday through fr- thursday for the all-star break there'll be there'll be no shows there'll be no no me no and no anything no anything we're gonna be gone it's a nice little vacation uh and uh and yeah so s- send new questions I, I need more questions for the shows questions at theory of because you submit them and i answer them that's what i do here monday through friday 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.